So, you want to be a contractor. Ever wonder what it takes to become a contractor? The journey they go on to get where they are now, or the crazy things they see and hear on the job site? Well, you're in the right spot. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor, the podcast. Join your host, Mike Fisher, as he talks to owners of construction companies from all over about how they got started, how they run their business, and some of the craziest stories they've experienced on their job sites. And now, your host, Mike Fisher. Welcome to So You Want to Be a Contractor. This is episode number 24. My name is Mike Fisher. My guest today, President of Groundswell Management, Bob Biederman. How you doing, sir? Good. Yourself? Good, man. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, taking the time here to come on and and uh, speak to us a little bit and tell your story. So let's let's get right into it. What's what's your story? How did you get into this industry? What what led you to where you are today? Well, I actually uh, was kind of raised in the industry. My parents uh, renovated a house when I was growing up, and uh, th- the way I got into it professionally was actually in high school. I had a crush on a cheerleader whose father was a contractor, <laughs> and I thought a good way to get to know her better was to go to work for her father. And, and so, um, I've been in the trade since I was 16. I've heard a lot of <laughs> stories about how to get into this industry. That might be the only time I've heard that one. That's, that's definitely a new one. That that's, that's awesome. What kind of work was he doing? Uh, he was a, uh, frame and contractor, uh, deck builder. We did a lot of, uh, exterior okay. decks and gazebos and things like that. And then, uh, Later on, started flipping properties, um, doing additions and remodels. And so it was a good way to. Did it, did it work? How did it? It worked uh, well. Yeah. Did the plan yeah. work? Yeah. I worked for him all the way through high school and college yeah. and, uh, uh, wound up kind of running the business for him when I got out of college. And then, um, I, I was in New York at the time. That's where I was born and raised and I had my sights set on the West coast. So. At, at some point I just said, Hey, you know, I'm, uh, I'm packing up and I'm, I'm heading West. And did you expand his company out West or did you kind of start your own when you got out here? No, when I got out here, I, uh, I went to work for a modular housing company that was in 2008 and it was really cool. They were, you know, doing uh SIP construction, structurally insulated panels. Um, yep. but the market crash in 08, 09 was more than that business could, could really handle. You know, it's a very capital intensive industry that yeah, modular. Yeah. you need it. You need a strong pipeline to support the infrastructure costs. Um, so after that company folded, um, I actually reached out to a couple of our clients and asked them, you know, what could I do to help you guys out? I know your project's kind of in limbo right now. And one of them said, Hey, come to Sonoma, California and build our house for us. You know, better than ever anyone, and we like you. And so I took that opportunity, went out, got my contractor's license in California and, uh, have my own construction company based out of Sonoma a few months later. And you just started with one house and had, what, what was the process like as far as like finding other jobs? Was it just calling around people you knew that, that, that you thought might need help or how did that work out? You know, I, I was really lucky in that the project that I got on was a really high profile project. It was on a main artery, um, got a lot of attention and, and visibility. And the owners of that project were really happy that I was able to help them out. It was a speculative project. So they were, they had a lot of riding on it and, um, we successfully completed that project and they started making phone calls saying, Hey, if you need someone, this is the guy. And just kind of 
went from there um, with word of mouth. It's, it's a tight community. Sonoma's pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, did that for 12 years. Never really marketed the construction company. Never had to. Um, growth was um, the only driver for marketing would have been growth. And growth would have been very capital intensive. And I didn't really have the risk appetite to become a big contractor. So what is it that you guys are doing now? What is, what is Grand Small Management kind of, what is, uh, their MO, your MO as a company now? What kind of stuff are you guys doing now? So what I found throughout my career, um, you know, 20 plus years now, um, after I left my construction company, I went to work for the county in, in uh, plan check. So I was a code administrator and I have found that the regulatory side of the construction industry has expanded exponentially in the last 15, 20 years, it's become a job in and of itself. We went from having a code book you could slide in your back pocket to having over 10,000 pages of code that we have to adhere by. And with that code comes documentation, special inspections, Cal Green inspections, uh, Title 24 compliance, PERS raters. There's a whole lot of stuff associated with it. And that's not even bringing in stuff in the planning world, like design review and scenic corridors and, um, uh, uh, riparian setbacks and bringing in biologists to, to look for wetlands on a project. It's, it's really gotten out of pocket. It's a whole industry in and of itself. Yeah. And the other thing that we saw was that, um, the real estate industry and the construction industry are, they don't know each other in any way. We sell the same product ironically, but they just sell it pre-assembled and we sell it in parts and then we assemble right. it for them. <laughs> I love that. But yeah. a contractor could go his entire career without ever working with a real estate agent. And so what winds up happening is, you know, when you go to buy a house, we, we've all done it. You go through the disclosure process, you get your pest report, your home inspection, your title report, and you find out all the physical stuff that's going on with the property. What you don't get is a permitting disclosure. You don't know whether what you're buying was constructed with permits or without permits. And if it didn't have permits, it doesn't legally exist. So you're going to go out and get a million, million and a half dollar mortgage without knowing whether or not you're actually buying something that is legal and exists in the world. And I have had clients in my construction company when I worked at the county and, and in my current business where they were either looking to buy a particular property or they bought a property without knowing that they had hundreds of thousands of dollars of unpermitted construction. Um, some of them did not have the finances to bring that up to code. And without the unpermitted construction, they didn't have the equity that their mortgage was written for. So where our industry is losing a lot of uh, capital to the lack of oversight and tracking of permitting as part of the, the real estate transaction. And you net, you don't find out what you've got until after you've bought it and you go to submit a set of plans for a remodel and the county says, well, actually half of your house doesn't exist. You need to submit for an addition, even though it was built in 1985, it has to meet today's <laughs> codes and standards. Yeah. And yeah. so that I, I feel like that's a failure of industry. We, we missed the mark, um, in this. Sonoma County implemented the building codes in 1964. A lot of counties in California, very similar time period. We didn't really start tracking things until the late 80s, early 90s, and they didn't get digitized until the 2000s. So there's a 40, 50 year gap where 
it was just the wild west and stuff got built, but from the jurisdiction's perspective, we need to know, and it needs to be legal. Um, so there, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of issues with that. Um, and, and it, it comes into play with other stuff too, like septic systems. If you have an unpermitted addition on your house and they added a bedroom, your septic system wasn't designed to support that bed. Current septic standards, you need your septic field and up to 200% reserve area. You might not have enough land for that. So you might be tearing part of your house down and you don't get it back. Um, so what our business does and what we're, what we're doing for the industry is we're working with the real estate agents to identify what it is their buyers buying. Um, we're working with them to prep a property for sale. Maybe it's got an unpermitted accessory unit on it. Well, you can get a few hundred thousand dollars more in value if you get that permitted before you put it on the market. So we're, we're working with real estate agents to try to bring this information, this permitting information into the real estate transaction where it never was before and where it truly it belongs. Um, and then we're also doing, um, on the construction side of the world, we're doing design development and construction management with, uh, management of all the regulatory compliance issues. So the contractors don't have to, they can stick with what they do best and not have to deal right. with the headaches of the. 400 pages of paperwork that needs to be managed and tracked. And, uh, well, and the thing so, is, so it, that's it's, us in as, a nutshell. yeah, it, it, as heavy as that load is for the contractors, a lot of times it just kind of gets breezed over. Right. I, I mean, so what you're doing brings them up to, brings them to the ability where they can do, do things the right way without having to manage it themselves on that side. Yeah. And everybody's got the thing that they do best. And, and when you're a contractor, building is what you need to do best. That's, that's your bread and butter. That's where you're going to earn a living. That's where you can sell. That's where you shine is in, in the way you build and the quality of your construction. The more you have to deal with paperwork and, and permitting and that you get your skills get spread more thinly. So you don't have as much time to keep yourself up to date on the latest technologies and the new innovative products. Cause you have to spend your time dealing with administrative and, and code compliance, regulatory yep. issues. We take that off your plate so that you can be the best contractor that you can. My guess is that you're probably working with the guys, you know, under 20, $30 million a year in revenue, right? Because those are the ones that maybe don't have the ability or the capital to hire somebody in house, right? Cause once you get larger. Yeah. Um, so a lot of those larger companies have somebody in house doing what you're doing. Right. And they, they maybe not need you and, and that's fine. Right. I mean, it, there's a niche for everybody and, and a need for everybody. So my guess is that you're probably working with some of those smaller companies that just don't have the capacity to, to bring on somebody full-time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And actually in this area, we don't really have many of the 20 to 30 million, um, contractors because the regulatory environment doesn't allow you to build enough right. stuff to get to that level. <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of subdivisions going in, you know, Lenar Homes isn't coming in and putting in 200, right. 300 units in, in Sonoma County it just doesn't work here. Um, yeah. they, they'd be in regulatory red tape for the next 50 years <laughs> before they got anything built. Um, and like your commercial contractors, yeah, we've got commercial work going on here, but there's not a lot of it. Um, and they do have their own teams that are, that are working to, um, to do all the stuff that we do. Uh, we do get involved sometimes. Um, we, we recently worked, uh, with a hotel project out, uh, by the coast 
they had an architect, they have a contractor, but they wanted to be able to have their hotel open for the, the, uh, tourist season this summer. So they called me in March and they said, what can you do to help? And I said, well, I can get you a permit faster than anyone else possibly can. And so I collaborated with their contractor and their architect to make sure that all their documentation was lined up and it involved coastal commission, uh, permitting and, um, uh, questions about whether or not it required design review because there was exterior facade changes. They were minor. Um, was kind of right on the cusp. Um, so we wound up being able to come in and provide that kind of expert guidance for their architect and their, their contractor to keep them where they needed to be, to be able to get into the county and get back out in a very short time frame. I think it was three weeks from data submittal to date of issuance, wow. uh, which is rather unheard of for commercial yep. construction. Yeah, for sure. So kind of curious going back to, you know, when you moved out to Sonoma, obviously you just experienced some of this stuff on your own, but what, what led you to be so passionate about this part of the industry and, and not only passionate, but knowledgeable, right? I mean, I, I guess, obviously, if you become passionate about something, you, you dive in and, and you learn as much as you can about it. But, um, this being such a tedious part of the industry, what, what was it about it that, that led you to go, Hey, this is what I need to do for people. This is how I can help this industry. And this is the only thing I want to do rather than build anymore. Um, well, you know, it wasn't like, this is what I really want to do. It was a recognition that I have a unique skill set to do it. Um, okay. what I really like to do is solve problems. I like right. clearing roadblocks. I like making things happen. And I was working as a contractor in a world full of great contractors. There was a lot of guys like me around that had the same skills, better skills. Um, yeah. When I started in, uh, working for the county in their plan check department and, and analyzing code and figuring that out, I realized that my ability to navigate legalese and, and regulatory compliance issues set me apart. It, it made me unique. And that's what made me drive, drive me towards this part of the business was recognizing there was an opportunity. There's a niche here that's not being filled that, that. You know, there's not a lot of e players in this, this part of the business and that there was a lot of business to be had because of the history of the regulatory industry and, and the direction that it's going. And then also that, that I had the skills to do it and, and I could be yeah. a huge value and benefit to the projects by doing so. And I believe me, sometimes I want yeah. to beat my head against the wall. I hate <laughs> it sometimes. <laughs> I was going to say, you're doing probably the most <laughs> mind numbing piece of the business for sure. And it's so frustrating yep. too, right? From, uh, from, like you said, a red tape and, uh, you know, nothing moves fast when it's with, uh, the government. So it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be maddening at sometimes. It is, it is, but you know, it's, it's also really rewarding and really fun sometimes, you know, um, the, the jurisdictions, they like to nail you to the code, right? They, right. You get right. the projects jammed up because that's what the code says. Well, I also do that in the opposite direction where they try to impose a regulation that doesn't really match the code because that's what they want. And then right. I can go back to the code and say, no, this is what the code says. This is what we both agree on. This is what you have to right. do. Right. You kind of push them out of the way and that, that gets yep. reward, rewarding. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. For sure. Like you said, when you're, when, when your passion is solving problems and, and, and being that person, when you do get them done, like you said, it is very rewarding for sure. So kind of curious. And you know, that's, that's our slogan too. Um, when I really? stopped building and I, I got into this business, you know, I think I, the world kind of opened up for me. 
And so we, our company motto is we don't do things, we get things done. I love that. So there's a lot of guys out there that do things and they're really good at that. And we want them to do the things. We'll just step in and help them to get them done. <laughs> we get all this, the roadblocks out of the way so they can do what they do. Yeah, that's perfect. Where, where are you, where are you seeing yourself being hired more often than not? Is it by the, the general contractor that's on the job or by the, by the property owner who, who wants to get things done faster? Where, where do you normally step in? Uh, usually it's the property owner. Uh, most yeah. of our projects are, um, coming into a real estate transaction, representing the buyer and vetting out some of the issues with the properties and, you know, what the entitlement status is during the transaction. And then through that, moving into their development plans for the project, whatever it may be, if they want to do a, a remodel or if they're looking to redevelop the entire property, like for example, if there's a small house on a large lot and they want to do a, a ADU and a main home and a swimming pool, we'll bring in the civil engineer, the architect, the structural engineer, the soil, everybody will be the, the hub in the wheel to keep all those players in line and keep the project moving forward to achieve the owner's goals. Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm not super familiar with the, the real estate side, but I have to imagine what you're doing isn't required, right? It's, it's noble and it's right. And it's, and it's the right thing to do in the industry, but my guess is that it's not required. So how do you step in and into an industry and, and, and ask them to do something beyond what they have to do to make it, you know, a better process. Like, how does that, how did that conversation work with some of the people you're working with? It starts with conversations with real estate agents and explaining to them what the value of it is and what the client, what the buyer has on the line in terms of the mortgage that they're going to have to get and the, the amount of, in, uh, money they're going to invest into this property and whether or not they're going to see a return on that investment. Um, and it, it's interesting in the disclosure documents that are required for a sale, the seller has to fill out that disclosure package, right? And in there, there's a line that says, are you aware of any unpermitted construction on the property? And they usually say, no, uh, I did one project where I did a disclosure for a property and the sell seller had a, a casita accessory dwelling unit. And they said on that disclosure document, it was built before they bought the property. Well, my client was a potential buyer and I sent him historical Google street view imagery of the seller carrying lumber to the casita as it was under construction. I said, she's lying through her teeth. And that's pretty common that the sellers will lie about these issues because they know there's nobody looking over their shoulder. There's there's no home inspector for this. It doesn't exist. Um, it, it also says in the disclosure documents, um, you know, if you're in a high seismic zone, you might consider, uh, consulting with a civil engineer about the risk to the structure. And there's a line in there and it tells you who to consult with for everything, right? It's so a civil engineer, a soils engineer, right, depending right. on the, what risk it is There says in, in that disclosure package, the, you know, the boilerplate, it says to consult a qualified professional to look at the permitting stuff. Cause there, there's no job title for it. Right, it did, right. It's not a thing. So <laughs> they wanted, they wanted to get the real estate agents off the hook by the way they wrote it, you know, to, to release them a liability, but they didn't yeah. know who to turn to. So it just says qualified <laughs> professional. 
So you know what's funny? I can, I can, yeah, I can look personally. Yeah, I can personally relate to this because I the house I'm in now we just bought in September, uh, and it's got a 300 square foot addition. And I, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you if it was permanent or not. But I guess my question is: is that process seemed like they couldn't move it along fast enough, right? From from acceptance of the offer to trying to close it. And, and I bought in September, right? So it was pretty fast moving market at that time. But I guess my question is, how do you step in? How is that process like stepping in and trying to slow down that process that's trying to move at lightning speed to get some of these things done that need to be done? Or, or are you doing them before it even goes on the market? Um, we don't slow it down. It, it, we work as soon as we get a uh, contact from the real estate agent saying they want us to look at it, we're moving. Um, and the, the way that the regulatory agencies have evolved over the last 10 years, there's been a big push for them to digitize things. So, and the, Finally, when the pandemic right. hit, yeah, they, they were dragging their feet for a long time. Some of them were, were more attuned to it than others, but when the pandemic hit and they weren't able to bring people into their office, that was a real catalyst for change. Kind of and forced them to. Almost, yeah. almost across the board, they've made all their records available online. And we've also in California got the Public Records Act. So Public Records Act says anybody that wants to see public records can submit a Public Records Act request and the agency has to respond within 10 business days. Now, that's a last uh, ditch effort. If we see something in the permit history that we need more research on, we'll do the public records act because 10 days is long. Like, you know, like you were saying, yeah, that's a lot sure. of time. Um, but usually within a day I can get the full permit history for a property and be able to start analyzing it. And within 48 hours, um, tell you whether or not I see anything that's worth further review or anything that might be a risk. I might have to give you a call it's, then. It's, it's my address. <laughs> well, the industry's changed a lot and it's changed for the better. Um, yeah. the, the only, the only downside to it is now we are tracking everything and we have that 50 years before where we didn't, that we need to clean up. Yeah, no, for sure. And like I said, I mean, it's, it would have been nice to know, but I mean, at the time everything was moving so fast. It's kind of like, you just kind of got to do what you got to do. Right. And, but, uh, well, you know, no, when we I mean, first started talking to these agents, they, um, some of them called us deal killers. They said they didn't want to right, know. That's what I mean. Like when I said, like stepping in and, <laughs> and doing something that doesn't have to be done. Right. Like it's almost as an agent, you're like, whoa, 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 we don't want to hear bad things because we want to move this process along and just kind of play dumb and, and get as much as and, we and can. That's, that's a seller's market that that's, right. that's a sign of a seller's market where if a buyer box or they ask for a discount because they found some defect, whether it's a physical defect and permitting, whatever. They're going to kick them out the door and there'll be another yep. buyer coming in right behind yep. them. Well, the, the, this is a, a changing environment right now, right? We, you know, it's economics. We had had a seller's market. Interest rates are coming up. Home prices are going down. The ability for buyers to negotiate is on its way back in the door. And so I think we're really well poised to, to be able to really be a big benefit. Yeah, if, for if sure. If it turns to a buyer's market. Yeah. And not even just a buyer's market, but if it just slows, the, the seller's market slows down, right? I mean, yeah. there, there was a time six, eight months ago where, like you said, if 
if a if a buyer balked at all, they just they kick you out the door and they've got nine more people lined up ready to go with, that maybe won't ask any questions, right? But even if that slows down a little bit and maybe they've only got one or two people as backups, they might they might give you a little bit more of a chance and and uh, you know to work with you guys for sure. So what uh, you said, you don't slow down, and obviously everything's kind of uh, available online, which definitely makes it easier. But I have to imagine the your team is more than just you, right? Uh, is there are there other people involved? Like, what do you, what else do you guys have? Who else do you guys have on your team um, that's able to do this stuff for you? Uh, I do most of the analysis stuff. Um, yeah. I've got um, my wife is my business partner. She's amazing. Um, she just backs me up. And then on the project side, we also have a drafter designer that that's on our team um, that does all of our plan preparation and, and a lot of our code research for us. So pretty small team, um, yeah. but we get a lot done. I was going to say, that's um, wild. I mean, well, I'm sorry, I was going to say it might be hard to find somebody to to do what you do, right? Because it is so tedious and mundane, but but you do have a passion for it, right? I mean, that's... That's, there's not a lot of people out there that you could find to kind of impart that skill set on. Yeah, and we've talked about that. You know, where it'll be two years in, in another three months, we'll be open for two years. And wow. the growth that we've seen in our first two years in business, we feel like within the next six months to a year, we'll probably need staff if we want to keep up with that growth. Yeah. Yeah. And we're scratching our heads saying, where do we find them? <laughs> where right. oh, where do I exactly find a guy right. with 20 years of construction experience, development experience, and the regulatory experience to, to fill this, this role? And it's, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, for sure. And where, where do you see yourself going? I guess, or maybe let me back up a little bit. What is, when you, when you go to somebody, like, what is it, what is it? charge or what it, how do you guys charge is it is it based on the pr size of the project or hours or just kind of a, a breakdown for anybody listening just kind of what that process looks like when you guys step in so we we charge by the hour you know we have our standard hourly rates uh we put together a proposal with separate task items that are are linear like dominoes so task one is always preliminary research and analysis and then based on that research we know what's feasible and and we can move on to task two, or maybe we don't. Maybe we say, okay, this this isn't going to be feasible. Uh, we're going to have to adjust. Um, but every task has a not to exceed limit, and and we come in, we put together a proposal with our task items that are not to exceed limits. Um, I'm always a little heavy handed with my not to exceed because I don't like getting near. I don't really like getting near the budget. I but right. I absolutely right. disdain going over budget. Right. I will not go over, but I'd rather eat the cost <laughs> than go over budget. It drives right. me insane. Um, but we, we know our, our trade well enough that, that we're, we're really accurate with our, our cost analysis. And, um, and like you mentioned, it, it, it is kind of, I look at the property and the project. Um, if I'm doing a, an analysis of a property for a real estate transaction and it's a two acre property and there's three buildings on it, it's gonna be pretty cheap. If it's a 15 acre property and it's got 12 buildings on it, well, that's a, that's a much larger task, right? right? right. It's just to take more time. And, and so it, that, that side of the business is scaled that way. Um, on the design side, um, so we're coming in and, and we're doing a, a complete remodel. And then let's say maybe we're building a second unit that's 
going to be a completely new design. Everything has a task limit except for the conceptual portion of the design. Um, conceptual design is really open-ended. Uh, some clients, you'll show them one concept and they go, I love it. Let's move forward into construction drawings. Others, it takes 15, 16 rounds where I want to get window say, three yeah, just left. Yeah. <laughs> building, building homes in Sonoma and that clientele, I can assume it probably, uh, you, they're more rare than, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, finding somebody who's going to say yes to the first concept for sure. I'm sure that that process can be, uh, uh, get, get drawn out quite a bit for sure. But once we do, and we go into construction drawings, uh, we are, uh, that's our our one of our strengths right there. Um, we have a feather in my cap. We've had five projects in the last 12 months that went through plan review with no comments. Wow. And when I was a plans, exa I was a plans examiner for three years and I never once approved a plan with no comments. <laughs> That's awesome. Now that, it's tribute to what you guys do, right? I mean, obviously you know what you're doing and, and I mean, it, it goes, it points to the other side of the business, right? I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty awkward if, if you, you submitted stuff and they, they, they did have a bunch of comments or they came back with a bunch of things that you guys had to change. It would be pretty awkward for the other side of your business where that's all you do for a lot of <laughs> contractors, right? I mean, it would be uh, some pretty bad marketing if people were able to find that out, but kind of on the marketing <laughs> side, I mean, when you, when you were talking about your construction company, you mentioned that. There wasn't a lot that you guys did there just because, you know, you, you didn't think you could fuel the growth from a capital standpoint, but are there things you guys are doing? I mean, obviously I have to imagine word of mouth is pretty big, right? When you're able to step in and, and, and save some headaches and time and money, you know, for somebody then that, that goes quite a long way, um, from a, from a word of mouth standpoint, but are there things you guys are doing specifically or, or with, you know, deliberate intention to either market or brand yourself and, and what you guys do? Yeah, we, um, the first thing that we did was we got a, into a bunch of local, um, professional memberships, uh, we're yeah. members of Norbar, um, North coast, uh, board of realtors, uh, North coast builders exchange. Uh, they're great. We love them, uh, local chamber of commerce. And we've done a few in-person events, uh, with the chamber of commerce where, you know, everybody's new businesses, everybody sets up booth and people come and there's wine and food and. Just talk about your business and, um, we've, we've done a lot of, of that kind of marketing. Um, and then we have reached out to, um, members of our, our professional organizations, the realtors and, um, say, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about our business and how we can help you with your business. And then, and like you said, word of mouth has been great. Yeah. And, uh, our website, I mean, we, we get a lot of business driving through our website, um, .com. Um, we, we see a lot of traffic and, and I think we've done a good job of kind of spelling out what we do. And, um, and you, if you're interested in our services, you can reach out right through the website and, uh, it's, it's been good for us. Um, have you guys and, looked into uh, any we, sort of social media, be it LinkedIn or Instagram or any of those kind of things to kind of showcase what you guys do or, or kind of brand what you guys do? Not so much maybe from a, from a, uh, you know, uh, business generation, but more just from a branding standpoint, is that thought process gone through it all? Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I, I, every time I get that email from LinkedIn saying you haven't posted in a while, I kick myself because, <laughs> um, 
we are, we are, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, and I have a lot of fun with it. I like using memes, um, to kind of right. showcase w what it is we bring to the table. Um, and, and I enjoy it, but it's, it's one of those things where there's only so much time in the day. And if something's right. going to get cut from the list, it's, it's going to be that. And, yeah. um, so I gotta, gotta step up my game and <laughs> yeah, no, well, like you said, I mean, there's only so much time in the day. I mean, it definitely is something that to be pretty effective with it, you have to be pretty, pretty deliberate about it. Right. And, and pretty consistent with it. It's, um, which is unfortunate, but also good too, right. Cause it, it leaves room for, for those that are doing it to be pretty successful doing it. But, um, just, I, I think I, I talked to a lot of contractors about that, right. Just because that kind of goes in my mind, goes hand in hand with being here talking to me on a podcast. Right. I mean, a contractor 10 years ago would probably go, what the fuck is a podcast? And <laughs> Why do I want to talk to you? And what does that do? Right. Um, but say to, to the same token, they probably would this would have said the same thing about social media. Right. But so I think there's kind of three levels for, for most contractors or people in this construction spaces, you know, we don't care about it. We don't do it at all is one end of the spectrum. The other end is we have somebody that does it every day and they're on top of it and we've got a schedule and we, you know, do what we do, but you know, somewhere in the middle is it's still good, right? You're, you're there and you've got a presence. Um, which I, I think that's just, like I said, on the road and you'll be there at some point, but, um, step you know, I, sure I think this might be getting out there. One of the last industries that has such a broad oh, spectrum in that regard. Yeah. I, I used to have a roofer that I'd have to fax things to. <laughs> he was a great roofer, but yeah. he didn't use email. He didn't have yep. a cell phone. Um, and he never would. Um, yep. so if I wanted to sign and send him back a proposal, it would either be by fax or by <laughs> mail. <laughs> But the, he was and a great funny, roofer, though. <laughs> yeah, his fax machine probably still printed out of his printer. It doesn't didn't go to his email <laughs> like a lot of fax does now. He probably uh, made the whole noise and printed it out of his printer for sure. Oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> but that's that's one of the unique things about working in the construction industry is you have to be able to work with all these different types of folks. Where you know you have to adapt to their technological advancement and and. Yep. Be, like yeah. we, we still have e-facts because there, we come across them every once in a while. Somebody insists on facts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, like you said, one of the, one of the last to, uh, to be moved along and, and one of the broadest spectrums of, of technology gaps for sure. Um, but I mean, like I said, I, I think being able to come on here and, and, and being a part of this and, and, uh, in this, you know, digital side of it. I think is, uh, coming a long way for the, for the, uh, construction industry. So it's, it's good for sure. And I, I love being a part of it, which is honestly why I do a lot of this. So, um, it's also given us a lot like? more transparency. Yeah. You know, well, um, that's, that's the whole the thing, right? I mean, Yeah. Tell your story, get it out there. Let people hear it. That a contractor used to be, um, as reliable as a sales pitch, right? You, you have your spiel to the owner, and then you'd have your list of happy clients where they could call for your references. Now, if I want to vet out contractors for a homeowner, I'm going to the license board. I'm going to check their insurance, check their bonding, check all yep. of that. But then I can also go on the county's permitting portal and I can see how many projects they're associated with, how many inspections they've gotten, how what their average project duration is from first inspection to final and what their inspection pass percentage is. And it tells you so much about yeah. a contractor. When a, a 
accessory dwelling unit takes them 18 months to finish and they only pass 65% of their inspections. And the guy they're bidding against had one done in nine months and passed hundred percent of their inspections. There's Pretty no sales pitch that, that yeah. can, that could bridge yeah. that gap. It's very easy <laughs> to see who's, who's the, the better contractor right. in that right. regard. No, that's awesome. And I, I, I honestly, I didn't even know a lot of that stuff exists, right? I, I, I'm on the insurance side, so I know a lot of the safety of the OSHA stuff and all that stuff is, is public knowledge. Um, but knowing that a lot of that permit stuff and, and the, and the inspection stuff is also public databases is, is good to know. And I can't imagine that, that many people are aware of that outside of this industry. Not every jurisdiction for the ones that, that have it available. I don't know a lot of people that have thought of using it as that, as a tool, like, like we are, right. um, yeah. but it, it's, it's a tremendously valuable piece of information when selecting a contract. Yep. No, for sure. Are you guys sticking to your area geographically just because it's what you know and, and familiar from a, from a code standpoint, or do you see yourselves kind of expanding out, um, throughout the state? Um. We'll see what the future holds. Right now we're in three counties, Sonoma, Napa, and Mendocino. Um, we would entertain projects in Marin County now, but uh, Marin County is a different kind of beast. Um, the further away from home you get, the the more um, the codes will change. Um, right. The, you know, the building code is the building code. It doesn't change. It's, it's adapted, adopted at the state level, um, but the planning and zoning codes do. And right. the different um, geographical areas, there's different values for the jurisdictions. So in the Central Valley, they're going to value water consumption over everything. In right. the North Bay, we're going to value energy consumption over everything. Um, so it and seismic because we, we have fault lines running through right. our, our county. Right. Um, so you have to kind of be more adaptable and that would take more staffing. Um, and it would be a challenge to be able to, um, spread out across the state. Not, nothing that's not doable. Um, places like the central, central coast, you have uh, view shed ordinances. Like I know half moon Bay, you have to design your house in a way that the guy behind you still has a view of the ocean. Right. That right. kind of comes out of left field when you're designing from an inland <laughs> county. Yep. You don't yep. expect that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so you have to learn to expect the unexpected. And that was one of the things that I picked up when I was doing modular construction is, um, everywhere you go is a unique set of circumstances. Uh, we shipped a house to Santa Monica and when we went to set up the crane to set the house, we got a call from the Santa Monica airport telling us we were in their airspace and we needed a permit from the FAA. <laughs> if that's not out of left field, I don't know what is. <laughs> And I mean, it can't have been a huge crane to set a set a few panels, right? I mean, it wasn't. No, it was a ninety massive, ton. Um, yeah, it was a ninety ton, um, but it was on a hilltop, and the Santa Monica Airport sits down in the valley, so the elevation okay. of the hill put us in their airspace. That's funny. That that is wild. Yeah, that's uh, definitely unexpected. I'm sure it came out of left field for sure. Yep. So is there it? Are you aware of anybody else doing what you do at your level and in the other places in, in the state? No, I don't. Um, there is a, a company out of the city that's kind of doing similar things to what we're doing in the, the permitting or in the real estate side of things. 
but what they're not really looking at the league, the legality of the existing infrastructure. They're looking more at the planning and zoning potential for the property. Right. I think their, their company's called city structure, a really cool outfit. Um, they're doing cool stuff. Um, so if you own a, or you're looking to buy a property in San Francisco and you want to know if you can have a second unit, you can pay them for a report and they'll tell you how big you can have it and whether, you know, all oh, that cool. kind of good, good stuff. Um, so that's a neat service. Um, but I think our approach to it's a little bit different and a little bit more robust, um, when it comes to it. And, you know, it, it makes sense because in the city, you're not going to have that kind of, um, unpermitted construction like you have in a rural community. It's, yeah, it's the rural properties, the farm. Yeah. yeah the, they're, they're the ones where you, you, you kind of have that wild west construction over the last 50 years that, that right, needs to be cleaned right. up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like there's, there's opportunity there, right? I mean, like, but like you said, it's, it's finding the staff and, and the people that, that have some of that experience to be able to, to grow. Cause I mean, California is, we all know, uh, one of the, the hardest to build it from a red tape and a, and a permit and a legality standpoint for sure. Um, so I think that service could definitely go a long way other places at some point if, uh, you get to that ability for sure. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, I'm, I'd love to see it happen, um, but I'm, I'm loving it the way it is right now. So, you know, with, with yeah. more staff and more projects, you get you, you, more responsibility, you're tied to work more, more often. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Bob. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been fun, uh, chatting with you and kind of learning this side of the industry. Um, like I said, I, I deal with the insurance side, so there's, um, some crossover for sure. And, but, um, yeah, knowing that that, that world exists and, and there's people that you kind of out there kind of helping, uh, helping those contractors out. It's, it's awesome. I appreciate it. I know you kind of met, mentioned your men, uh, website before, but, um, I typically use this end of the, uh, of the segment here to, to allow you to kind of give those shout outs. So in case anybody skipped over that or fast forwarded, first of all, shame on you. <laughs> Second of all, uh, this is where we're, we're going to allow you to do that. So. Um, let people know where to find you, whether it's phone numbers, websites, emails, whatever it is, how they get a hold of you and, and, uh, you know, get, get in touch with you. All right. Well, then take all of the above, um, they can reach out to us by phone 707-483-3425, uh, through our website, www.groundswellmanagement.com, or they can email us at info at groundswellmgmt.com. Awesome. And um, we're happy to help. Yeah. Curious how, the, how you came up with the name. Because honestly, when I saw it at first and we started chatting, I thought maybe it might have been something along the lines of water conservation or something along those lines. But I'm <laughs> uh, curious where, the, where that came from. So that's, uh, it's from, I'm a surfer. And um, okay. when this, you got a swell coming in, there's two kinds of swell. There's wind swell and ground swell. Wind swell is a short period, uh, has less energy. Uh, it's more chaotic, it's choppy, it's disorganized. A groundswell is, um, it starts out as a wind swell, but over distance and time, it propagates into a, a longer period swell. It gets more organized. Um, it has a lot more power um, and, and it, it's more lined up. So we took that kind of differentiating yeah. factor and, and said, you know, because our industry is a windswell type industry. We're, we're chaotic. We're all over the map. There's all different kinds of stuff going on and different players. And we want to be the ones that, that organize it, that get it lined up and, and 
bring more energy into it. Love that. That's so perfect. That's awesome. I love that you put thought into that too. And it wasn't just Biederman management, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. I, I love when, when they're not named after you personally, I love hearing the stories behind it. So that was perfect. I appreciate that, man. Well, Bob, again, this has been great. I appreciate it. Let's keep in touch. Uh, if there's anything you need, obviously feel free to reach out, but, um, I hope we, we stay in touch and, and, uh, stay safe out there. That was good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Hey, thanks for listening. If you had a good time, be sure to hit that subscribe button to get all the latest episodes. And if you had a really good time, leave a review to let us know what you thought. Until then, go gather some crazy stories on your job sites, and we'll see you next time on So You Want to Be a Contractor.